Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I want to encourage all of those who are newer in here to be impulsive this morning. We are going to have something called uh, Discover VBC, which is a membership class where you learn about our church. And we're going to have it right after the service. And, and some of you may say, well, membership, I look at the Bible, I, I don't see membership commanded in the Bible. Okay, maybe it's not commanded in the Bible, but membership helps you keep the Bible's commands because it puts you around other believers for accountability. Uh, we know who we can count on to serve in a variety of areas in our church. So right after the service, we're going to have a, a, a quick class down the hall to the left. You will get out way before lunch. Let me encourage all of you who are, are newer, just, you don't have to join our church at all. Just come and learn about us. Let me just encourage you uh, to go and, and attend that. I'm going to give you a heads up to the rest of you, everyone in here. After the service, after my sermon, this is what we're going to do. So just kind of get ready for it. You're going to be invited forward for prayer. The elders are going to be stationed in the front here. They'll be stationed in the back. For those of you who would like prayer this morning, maybe you came here this morning and you thought, I would really like someone to pray for me. Well, that's going to happen at the end of uh, the sermon. It'll be part of our service. Perhaps some of you had a very difficult week. Uh, I think about my friend who I've interacted this week. He had a very difficult week. Um, let me show you what, what happened. If you've got a picture here. Um, my friend had a car drive through his window at his work. The car landed on his desk. The car's not there anymore. It's 2.30 in the morning, and the guy who crashed through the window uh, ran away. How has your week been going? <laughs> Any of you feel like, a, like a, you got your window kind of smashed in this week uh, in your life? Well, as I talked to my friend, he, he doesn't seem to be too concerned. You know why? He's an insurance agent. <laughs> I'm not joking. You can't make this up. And he said, it's no big deal. It's going to be fixed this week, just like that. Now, I know the analogy is terrible, and I'm not calling God our insurance agent. But I tell you what, where are you going to go when things are falling apart in your life to the Lord? I know some of you have had a difficult week, a difficult month, and all of us have had a difficult year. And we want to find ourselves coming to the Lord, crying out to him in prayer. And we want to find ourselves doing this consistently. But a lot of times we're not very consistent. We'll pray, things don't work out. We pull away from the Lord, we pray. It's like we're not persistent in continuing to pray and to pray and to pray. Jesus knows this about our hearts. And this morning in the Sermon on the Mount, he is going to stir us up to pray, not out of guilt, not out of shame, but out of privilege. 
you have the privilege of talking to your father constantly. And your father wants to hear from you all the time. Let's look at it this morning as we're in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 12. And if you remember earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught about prayer in the Lord's Prayer, which was more of a model how to pray. And perhaps the best way to view this passage from 7 through 12 is this is a teaching on the kind of prayer that gets answered. This is a teaching on the kind of prayer that gets answered. It's prayer that is consistent, persistent, and habitual. This is prayer that is consistent, persistent, and habitual. It's not a a babbling or heaping up many words like the pagans would do or meaningless repetition, but it's a kind of praying that keeps on asking, that keeps on seeking, and that keeps on knocking. This is the kind of prayer that is a, a passionate pursuit of God. And it's been around throughout the whole Bible, even in the Old Testament, like Jeremiah 29, 13 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And that's what I want to happen today, that Jesus' teaching would cause you to passionately pursue God in prayer with all your heart. So let's just jump right in. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Let's start there. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. What a massive encouragement to pray. It's saying that God is going to respond to your prayers. You don't have to be a special kind of Christian. You don't have to be a pastor. Because look what it says right there. It says everyone, everyone. Do you notice that? For everyone, verse 8, who asks. Every single child of God who asks. Every single born-again believer who seeks. And every Christian who knocks. It's saying that the door is going to be open. This is a consistent kind of praying that God responds to when we keep asking and and seeking and, and knocking. And if you doubt his desire to respond to care for you, then you don't understand his heart, and I don't understand his heart. So look at this analogy that Jesus is gonna make between an earthly father and the heavenly father. This should make us rush into his presence. Verses nine and 10. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? Now, this is a very dysfunctional father right here. This kid's hungry and eats some bread. Oh, here's some bread. It's just a stone. I want some fish, Dad. Oh, here, let me give you a snake that's going to bite you. As a very dysfunctional father. It's a cruel dad. You're like, well, where is Jesus going with this analogy? Verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? 
most of the parents in here have good intentions for your kids. I, I like to give gifts to my kids. Sometimes I'll give gifts to my kids and I know they're going to play f- with the toy for about one minute and that's it. It's the way it works. Or yesterday I took my uh, nine-year-old Darion to play soccer and he scored his first goal of ever and I was really excited. And, and afterward I took him to get an ice cream sandwich. But... Did I get him an ice cream sandwich because he scored a goal? No. We get an ice cream sandwich after every single game. And you may say, man, you're like the father of the year. No, Jesus says, no, no, no. Do you see what he says? He says, you, though you are evil. You see that part? I'm an evil father. I mean, he's, he's saying it. I, I am sinful and I am broken And even though I'm sinful, broken, and evil, I still know how to give good gifts to my kids. Now the comparison, how much more your Father in heaven, perfect, holy, loves you without fault. How much more does he know to give good gifts to his children who ask? Wow! Wow, that is absolutely amazing. Let's elaborate a bit. James 1.17, I'll put this up on the screen. James 1.17, it says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows. It is the kind heart of the Father who is ready to give. If you would only ask. Our father is not stingy. He doesn't play dirty tricks on us. We don't ask for bread. He gives us a stone. We don't ask for fish. He gives us a snake. He is eager to give you good gifts. And if you doubt that, think about the greatest gift we have in Jesus Christ, who came to die for our sins on the cross, bear the penalty that we're supposed to be bearing, buried, rose again, and now the great invitation All who believe, put their faith in Christ, can be forgiven and live forever. You cannot tell me a greater gift than that. And yet, what does the word of God say? Listen to what it says in Romans 8.32. This is amazing. You should underline this verse. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Do you see that? He said, if God's already given you the greatest gift ever, Jesus, dying for you, how will he not also give you all things? So many times we doubt that our that Father, our God, is actually like that, right? We think that he's stingy, we think that he's mean. Maybe we compare him to some of the dysfunctional earthly fathers you've had. And yet it's saying, he's saying, come on, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. So this is some pretty striking teaching that Jesus is stirring you up to pray. And so we have to pause and ask ourselves, okay, let's let's just get real. What are the good gifts? If he says he's going to give us good gifts and we ask, what exactly are the good gifts? Well, since we're sinful people, we don't always understand what's good and what's not good. So let's start by saying that the good gifts are not to be spent on your selfish desires. Let me put up James for you. James chapter 4, 
2 and 3. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend what you request on your pleasures. So when we ask God for things out of selfishness or wrong motives, we will not receive. This is the wrong asking. It's to spend it on your pleasures. And it's a tricky thing because sometimes we don't know our motives. We're like, am I asking this because I'm selfish? Am I trying to spend it on my own pleasures? God, examine my heart, search my heart. Uh, I I think you can press the Father and make your request, uh, but it Even if you perceive it to be a good thing, but you're not sure, say, Lord, I'll just let you decide because your father knows best. But I want to try to help you to ask better, to seek better, and to knock better, and and asking for those good things. So I'm going to try to help you here on what exactly to ask for. Okay, you ready? Look at the next verse, verse 12. Matthew 7, verse 12. In everything... Therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law, sums it up, the law and the prophets. Hmm. This is known as the golden rule because some emperor supposedly wrote this verse on his wall in gold, just so you know. And now this verse, you, you look at it and you go, well, this verse seems to just hang there all by itself But the verse is here for a reason, because I would say this verse right here can basically sum up the Sermon on the Mount. Remember at the beginning in in chapter 5, verse 20, you need to have this exceeding righteousness, remember that, Of of the Pharisees, right? So he walks us through what that exceeding righteousness looks like. He talks about reconciling with your enemies. He talks about purity. He talks about not judging, throwing away greeds. Remember all these things we talked about? And so these are radical kingdom norms that can be summed up in the golden rule. But how many times over the last several weeks have you been going to the Sermon on the Mount and you leave here on Sunday morning and you think, oh my goodness, I cannot do that. I cannot forgive so-and-so. I have such a, a deep struggle with fill in the blank. And we talked about greed, adultery, forgiveness. You're like, I, I can't do it. Now I think... What Jesus is getting at here, for starters, is that ask for the good gifts. Ask for the good gifts to live in such a way that glorifies the Father in reconciliation, dealing with anger, lust, greed. Ask for the good gifts. In fact, ask for the Holy Spirit's power to live the Sermon on the Mount. And you may think, well, what's the connection? I'm glad you asked. Let me put up this verse. Very similar. This is Luke eleven thirteen. Very similar to what we're seeing here. He says, so if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit, interesting, to those who ask him? Now, we're not asking for the initial indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when you find that you cannot live the Sermon on the Mount, you're dealing with a difficult person, you find greed in your heart, you say, Lord, I am asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. I need your power, I need the Holy Spirit right now to help me live in line with your word. You you see the connection there. Now, you may think to yourself, okay, 
So does that mean when we go to our Father in prayer, ask, seek, knock, we're only supposed to ask for spiritual things? No. No, no. But you're not supposed to be asking for less than spiritual things. I mean, how many of you spend your time asking more for things and less time asking for power to walk in God's word? I don't think you quite hurt me. How much of your prayer life is about asking for things rather than asking for power to live God's word? We almost start there. Lord, help me live a holy life like you say in your word. This is what I know to be your will. Help me to live and walk in it. But we do not stop there because I believe that you can branch out from there and still ask for good gifts. And you may think, well, what are the good gifts beyond the spiritual things? Well, I don't know. What are you praying about? What are you exploring in your prayer with the Father? R.T. France, this great uh, scholar says, I love this. He says, there is an openness about verses 7 and 8, which invites not merely a resigned acceptance of what the Father gives, but a willingness to explore the extent of his generosity. My kids really explore the extent of my generosity. It does not extend very far. But with our Heavenly Father, we can explore the extent of his generosity. Don't you see, that motivates us to pray, not out of guilt, but out of privilege. You have the privilege, as a child of God, coming before your father, and you can explore the extent of his generosity. This is what Paul talks about, about praying continually. You have the privilege of coming before your father, who's generous, and you can ask, and you can seek, and you can knock, and you can do this continually. So what keeps us from doing that? Can, can I just share two things that may keep us from praying this way. And, and the first one is this. You, you might not like this, but the first one is this. Maybe your vision for your life is too small. Maybe you just approach your life by all those things that are doable and manageable and never challenge you and never push you and never require you to really pray. One of my favorite Bible teachers is a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt. And he made this statement, and I'm going to put it up, true or false, okay? True or false. God will never call you to do something you can't do. Is that right or wrong? Please say wrong. Please say wrong. That's wrong. Have you ever read the Bible? Moses, go. Go speak to him. I got speaking issues I can't. Remember? Gideon, we want to reduce that army so it's not about you. Joshua, there's this great strategy. It's called walking around the walls. Constantly, God is calling people in the Bible to do things they can't do. Why? It's so they would not rely upon themselves, but upon God. Paul even says that. Man, my life's a mess. I got so much suffering. Well, this has taught me not to rely upon myself, but upon God. And so if your life is manageable, doable, and you can pull it off every day with your own skills and with your own mind, then maybe the vision for your life 
is too small. Maybe you're not taking seriously the words here because if I'm reading Sermon on the Mount right, this Sermon on the Mount is saying these things are beyond me. I cannot love my enemies. No, I need help. I need to call out to God asking, seeking, and knocking every day. And so I ask you and I press you this morning is what areas of your life do you feel that God is stirring you? And what areas require prayer because the vision is beyond you? Are you praying things that are beyond you? You do not see how they are going to happen. You do not see how they're going to be pulled off. But God is absolutely, he has to do it. That's the vision you want. That's the vision the word of God gives us to step out in kingdom activities for his glory and loving people. And we've got to call upon him constantly to come through. So my brothers and sisters, I just want to encourage you to expand your vision. Expand your vision. And if you have a hard time expanding your vision, just keep going back to Sermon on the Mount and keep reading that. And the Lord will expand your vision. And as your vision expands, you'll find yourself crying out to the Lord more. So let's get to the second part of why we may not be praying consistently. You ready for this one? This is a good one. You've prayed like this before and it didn't work. You're like, can we say that? You can say that. You've prayed like this before and it just didn't work. You kept asking, you kept seeking, you kept knocking for the good gifts of God and you didn't receive them. The door was not open, it was sealed tight and you were disappointed and you just prayed less. I've been there. We're like, is God really going to answer this? And, and if that's you, I, I just want to encourage you, especially you, that may be you right now. I, just want to, I want to tell you this. God wants to give you good things beyond what you can ask or imagine. Your father cares for you. And you need to know that he's working everything out for his glory and for your good. And there will be times where you just got to pull back and you got to say like, Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. There's time in prayer you got to pull back and say, God, I don't know why you're not answering this. I don't know why you're not coming through. But in somehow, some way, I just know that this is for your glory and my good. It's almost like a heart readjustment. But then you got to ask the question, well, if God's not answering my prayer, then should I keep praying it? If I've been asking and seeking and knocking for something for years, and he's not answering it the way that I want him to answer it, should I just stop praying it? Because some of you have been praying for healing for a long time. And you're like, I'm not being healed. You, you think about the Apostle Paul. He prayed for this thorn to be removed from him three times, right? And then he eventually came to a point where he said, you know, your power is perfected in my weakness. I remember when uh, I was basically for the last 20-something years when I've been dealing with younger people and younger couples, the issue of infertility is just rampant. And I have seen some people in some serious pain, and maybe you've experienced that. And you may find yourself like Hannah crying out, Lord, give me a baby. And there's no baby should you keep praying or not? 
and you know your own examples in your own life, like, hey, God's not answering the way I want. Should I keep praying? And I want to give you this one piece of wisdom from a guy who's really encouraged me. His name is Jerry Bridges. And he says this. He says, as long as we can pray trustingly with an attitude of acceptance of his will, we should pray as long as the desire remains. I'm going to read that again. As long as we can pray trustingly with an attitude of acceptance of his will, we should pray as long as the desire remains. If you can just trust the Lord with whatever he wants to do and you still have that desire in your heart, keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. And just rest in his sovereignty. Rest in the Father's love for you to answer according to what you're asking or he has another plan still working for his glory for your good. And I don't think, this, this may be what some of you need to do. Some of you may need to go public with your prayers. Because we're not just a bunch of individuals praying, we're also a corporate body. And it may be time for you to share what you've been struggling with praying with, with other people. What we call those other people at our church is often our small groups. I'm going to be a small group tonight. We're going to pray. If you're not in a small group, let me encourage you to get in one. And maybe if you're in one, start to share what's going on and go public with your prayer. My wife's always been good about this. She's like, we need to call people over to our house right now. We need prayer. When we had to make some big decisions in our life, we'll bring people close to us that, that love us and say, here's the deal. We need you to pray. Maybe today is the day you need to go public because you need to be affirmed from your brothers and sisters that you can know that your father loves you and he wants you to keep asking, seeking, and knocking and yet do it in community. And we're going to do a little bit of that right now. You may not have been to a church before where they've done more of a corporate prayer service, but we're about to do that. Did you know the Bible talks about the elders? And then specifically James 5, it says, if any of you are sick, you know, let the elders anoint you with oil and pray for you. The elders this morning have oil. If you want prayer for an illness, now, the oil is not magical. It just represents the presence and blessing of God. And we'll pray in faith for you. But maybe you've been dealing with something relationally for a long time and you want us to pray for a relationship. Maybe you have some out-of-control sin in your life. You're like, I need help. I need someone to pray for me. I don't know what's going on. It can be in any area that you just need prayer. The microphones are going to be turned off. We're going to have elders stationed in the front here, in the back. You'll see them in different parts. And all you have to do is just go up and say, here's what's going on, briefly. Here's my prayer request. And we'll pray for you. And we'll just do this as long as the Lord um, wants us to do this. And we're going to make it convenient for you to step out and come. So we're going to sing and I'm going to ask us all to stand right now to worship. We're going to sing and worship. 
And we're gonna open this time right now for you to come forward or to go in the back and come as you feel led for prayer. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.